I'm so glad you're joining me for this episode of Street Soldiers on voting and social media. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. This year's election is unprecedented in so many ways, from the basics of how to actually cast a ballot to the expanded role of social media outreach. What impact will this have on voter turnout? And how are people feeling about the election and politics in general? Let's find out what our panel has to say. Joining me is Michael Oliva. He's a political consultant and president of Sykes Global Communications. Michael, great to have you with us. Thank you. Also joining us is Basil Smichael. He's a political strategist and lecturer at Columbia University. Basil, great to have you with us. Always a pleasure to see you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Also joining us is Yellow Pain. He's a hip hop artist from Dayton, Ohio. And he did a viral video and now has another video out about the election, about people's conceptions and misconceptions about voting, and we're gonna find out all about that in just a moment. Michael, I wanna start with you on this. What do you feel the mood of voters just in general is? Are people energized or are people kind of overdosed already on politics? Um, well, first, I'd like to thank uh, Yellow Paint. You may have seen the hand we brought back to our, our, school, our public schools. Um, it was a great video. Uh, I really feel like there, what you're starting to see around the country is there's already been significant turnout in the mail-in voting. Uh, you saw it here in New York. We weren't sure what was going to happen amidst the, uh, <clears throat> the coronavirus epidemic. And these, these uh, mail-in ballots just really started to, to flow in. I mean, it, it, and these are Democratic primaries for the most part in the city and, and, and you know, downstate. So, you know, what we thought may have actually suppressed the vote may actually have, like, inspired people to vote more, even though it's not your atypical showing up to the polls type voting. But what I also think you're seeing is if you look at states like Pennsylvania, some other states, there, there already, there's already been some legal action on the side of the Republican Party to sort of be very strict about how these votes are counted when they're mailed. And, and I want to I get into that in just a moment. Let me just get a yeah. um, comment from everybody. Uh, Basil, in terms of how people are feeling, what do you like? Do you compare this to anything? Is this are we kind of in an unprecedented place, or where are we at really? No, we are in a very unpre un unprecedented place. There is a tremendous amount of energy on the ground. Um, you have, um, and it's not just around Joe Biden, uh, though that's important, right? Um, it's about the Democratic ticket, but it's also about people's concerns that. Um, there are significant efforts on the right to tamp down on their vote, to tamp, tamp down on enthusiasm, and to engage in various types of voter uh, intimidation. So there's this sort of extra effort being put forward by communities, by organizations, whether they be democratic or nonpartisan, to make sure that people have a plan. And in fact, when I go out and talk to people about voting, I don't just say go out and vote, I say have a plan for how you're going to vote. And because you've heard that sort of mantra being uh, repeated over and over and over again, folks are much more uh, concerned and careful about what they're going to do in this election cycle. So there's both a lot of energy and a lot of education around what's happening uh, in November. And you, you talk about education. Yellow Pain, what motivated you to do that video that now has nearly 2 million views on YouTube, My Vote Don't Count? Most definitely. So um, my cousin, um, Desiree Timms, who's running for Congress in the 10th District of Ohio, she, uh, my cousin, she 
she told me, well, she asked me to actually make a song about voting. And I was like, you know, cause I'm cool. Like I don't really get into politics. I wasn't into politics whatsoever. And um, I kind of declined. And she was like, you know, why aren't you into politics? And um, she broke it down to me and explained to me how politics affect our everyday lives. And over the course of two to three months of her just, you know, really telling me all the details of how the system works, you know, I really woke up to it and I was like, wow, so you mean to tell tell me that all, like, majority of the problems that we have in our community are, you know, because we don't vote or that they can be fixed and changed just from us showing up to vote, but we don't. And it's like, we don't have faith in the system, you know, and we actually are a part of the system, you know, like it's a democracy. And now that I understand that, I'm passionate, you know, to, to be a part of something revolutionary. No, it is. And it, it really got the message out there and was, was very educational. I was like, wow, I never heard it explained that clearly before. Michael, in the video, Yellow Pain makes the point about you know, we, we focus a lot as, of course, we are, you know, in, in 2020 on the presidential, who's going to be in the White House. But the real issues, the real place, you know, the real elections that count are the local elections for our, our local city and our local state officials. Is that true? What's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, you know what's interesting is that in a lot of these swing states, where, which are many times determined by what happens in the suburbs, you know, the suburbs of Philly, Northern Virginia, Detroit, I mean, the middle of Florida, the corridor there. Um, there, are, there are also, these are the places where there are also competitive congressional races because they're swing districts, right? And right down in Long Island, you have, you know, Jackie Gordon, who is a black woman who won a Democratic primary um, in, in a primarily white district is now running against Peter King, who's somewhat vulnerable. You have Lee Zeldin, who's the incumbent Republican, being taken on by Nancy Goroff, who's a professor at Stony Brook. Um, and these are races that are important because, like um, Yellow Payne said, the Congress is so essential in who actually makes the laws. You know, people said, well, Obama didn't do this, Obama didn't do that. And a lot of it had to do with what the Congress had the power to do. And we, we tend to think, when we think federally of the presidency, but there's so much more that when we vote, it not only determines don't think, oh, I'm in New York, you know, the Democrats going to win, don't vote. No, there are, there are multi-levels of races that will ultimately help determine the outcome and the future of the nation. Definitely. Basil, in, in terms of the importance of the, of the local races, do you feel that sometimes it gets lost because those are the things that are affecting a lot of the issues in our daily lives? I, I do think it gets lost sometimes. I mean, to Michael's point earlier, a lot of people focus on the presidential race and it's important Congressional races, Senate races, extremely important. And in fact, the Senate races, U.S. Senate races are very important because in many ways, those determine who gets to sit on the Supreme Court, for example, which we're dealing with now. Um, but if you think about local races, state legislative races, city council races, town council races, those state and local uh, legislative seats those people have the most impact on your day-to-day -day lives. But unfortunately, those are the races where we have some of the lowest turnout. Um, and we, you know, a lot of us go out and try to talk to folks about how important it is to vote in those local races, those state legislative races, because those are people that are making decisions about education policy, criminal justice reform, Healthcare, yes, there's a lot that comes from the federal government, but so much more that comes at the state and local level. 
Yellow Pain, the, uh, w- what do you think of the energy that we saw this summer? People, the Black Lives Matter protests, hundreds of thousands of people around the country, many young people, a lot of people from the hip hop culture participating in that. In terms of that energy, do you see people who marched now being motivated and energized to vote? Or do you think that, you know, the skepticism is kind of keeping them like, wait a minute, I'm not going to get involved in that? Well, I mean, the thing is, um, it's a lot of a lot of misconceptions about voting and about the system and how it works. So, you know, people are, you know, afraid of the system, you know what I mean? And, and, it, and it's a lot of misinformation and a lot of people, you know, kind of got this like, I hate the government type of thing because they aren't um, changing the laws fast enough. They aren't getting things done that we want done in the community. And a lot of people are uh, turning away from it. But I really think that uh, it's a lot of, um, what's that word? Um, I guess it's just more so a lot of energy around just change in the world. And I think it's, I'm not sure if people are necessarily excited or not excited about voting, but I definitely think that we have a responsibility to make that connection with the community, with everybody, and let them know that if we want this to change, if we want this to change this year, next year, and for the future of our children and children's children, we have to participate in the real, you know, in the real change because Martin Luther King, they protested, and that's, you know, kind of where we get the blueprint from, but we they also protested all the way to the polls. You know what I mean? So we have to make sure that that we follow the the full guideline, the full blueprint. And I, I mean, I, that's, you know, that's kind of my position in it right now. And take it and follow, follow all the way through. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be back right after this. Yo, what up? This your homie Ace Hood, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real poly tricks, and real people only on Hot 97. Welcome back to this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We're talking about voting and social media. Are people who were protesting and marching motivated to go to the polls? What's really happening? Is it going to be hard to cast your ballot? That's what we're talking about with our panel. Joining me is Michael Oliva. He's a political consultant and president of Sykes Global Communications. Michael, great to have you with us. Thank you. Thank you. Also joining us is Basil Smeichel. He's a political strategist and lecturer at Columbia University. Basil, great to have you with us. Good to be here as always. Thank you. Thank you. And also joining us is Yellow Pain. He's a hip hop artist from Dayton, Ohio. He did the uh, video that went viral on YouTube, My Vote Don't Count, explaining the whole voting process to everybody. Basil, in terms of the social media impact, we saw National Voter Registration Day. You could not log on anywhere, open a device, check any social media platform without having that get registered to vote message right in your face. How effective do you think that is? Uh, well, it's very effective because one of the things, and I think Yellow Payne picked up on this and Mike has talked about this, that there's just a need for more information, right? How do I register to vote? Where can I go vote? When can I go vote? All of those things are very, very important. And, 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 and there's something that I think is really critical for us to understand. There's no national standard in terms of voting, right? States determine this. Um, themselves. The Constitution is very clear about that. So state by state, you can have different rules depending on where you live. So it is very important that, you know, our leaders and with social media have the ability to tell people where they're at, um, how they can go vote, how they can sign up, how they can register. That's very critical. 
I would also say that social media kind of small d democratizes the process. So you don't have to worry or be concerned about the specific leader saying you have to come out and do this. You've seen, particularly with the Black Lives Matter movement, that young people, wherever they are, whoever they are, are kind of initiating the protests, initiating uh, the marches, initiating the, the, the conversations. So there's, there's no waiting around for anybody to do that. You can just feel motivated to do it and go get it done. And that's the real jewel that social media has really given us. It's democratizing the process. Everyone becomes a leader of the movement. Michael, in terms of the, in terms of the social media impact, what's your impression of, of how important that is or how insignificant it is? Uh, I, you know, I think we have to remember that social media is often the aggregate of what's happening in traditional media, right? So mm -hmm. it, it, in, in many ways, whatever you're looking for is reinforced. So as far as, as voting goes, I think it has more to do with what you're seeing and what's motivating you personally. Um, I'm not so sure everybody telling everybody to go out and vote on, you know, on Facebook or, or Instagram or Twitter is necessarily going to get people to vote. But what I think that the many activists in these movements have to keep in mind is the silent majority tends to speak in elections. I mean, you go back to 1968 and all the civil unrest and all the protests with civil rights and anti-war protests, and, and then, you know, Nixon wins the election. Um, and so all the activism and all the protests, and, and it's so important because it's about a long game. In the short term, those folks have to get to the polls, and that's why it's so important. That's just, the protest is one step, but you know you want to exist outside the system, but you also want to exist within the system. You have to like, work like Yellow Paint said to kind of take that right. take that action and and turn it into some kind of consequences. Take that inertia into the polls. Exactly, know? Yellow Paint. What kind of reaction have you been getting to the to the video? Um, it's it's been amazing to be honest. Um, um, and. and you know, it's been a lot of celebrities reposting it, et cetera. And, you know, that's that's amazing. But more so specifically to voters, um, you know, I made the song for people like me, you know, young people uh, who don't really know nothing about politics. And we think uh, that don't matter. You know, what I mean, that don't affect my everyday life. The president never did nothing for me. You know what I mean? And that's who I made the song for. And I've been getting a lot of young people saying like, hey, you know, thank you. I'm going to go vote now. But what really surprised me is the people that are 70, 80 um, that are telling me like, I, I never knew this stuff. I can't believe I never knew this. And it goes to show how big of a gap it is um, between like a lot of everyday citizens in politics. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad that I was able to do that and hopefully we can keep it going. And then Basil, in, ter in, terms, of the, in terms of the youth vote, in terms of the vote, you know, that the, the new voters coming out, are elections determined by who comes out or by who doesn't come out? <laughs> it's a little of both, right? Because, you know, yes, it definitely can be determined by who comes out, uh, especially if, uh, you know, the in the president, for example, is targeting certain types of voters, and he thinks that that law and order mantra is going to target is going to bring out certain types of voters. And of course, Democrats have their base. But the truth is, it's a small number of people that are actually persuadable. So what we want to make sure is that the people who are inclined to vote for the candidates we care about actually do come out and vote for the candidates that they care about. We know that in 2016, 4.9 million people that voted for Obama twice did not come out in 2016 at all. 
And that made a huge difference. We know that, it, that you know, 80,000 people in three states in the Midwest could have made a very different, uh, could have changed the election in 2016 and Hillary Clinton could have probably won. Um, 80,000 people. I mean, just think about that, you know. That's a block in New York City for the most part. No, that right? is. That's a, that, that's uh, a lot of people. And it's, a, it's, it's, it's enough that it's an, it, the thing is, yes, you want to target uh, your base, but you also want to make sure that the, that the people that can come out and want to come out to vote for you actually do so and that that vote is counted. So it, it's as much about who is going to vote for you. And it is, it's also a lot about who is inclined to vote but doesn't go out and vote. Want to make sure you talk to those folks as well. Exactly. Michael, how big an X factor is the whole coronavirus pandemic? You know, a lot of people are not going to be comfortable going into those crowded, jam-packed polling places. How big a factor or unknown factor is that going to play? Well, going back to what I was saying about Pennsylvania. Um, so right now the Republicans are trying to make sure that everybody not only puts their ballot in a secure envelope, they put it in another envelope and sign it. And if it's not signed, that, that vote isn't counted. And the reason for that is, even though traditionally Republicans liked mail-in voting, because seniors tend to vote that way, they had an older vote. Um, and this year, it's a little different, right? Because they see that the turnout is high on the Democratic side in all this early voting. But also the folks who you know don't care about wearing a mask and like just want to go around and pretend nothing is going on are going to show up to the polls. It's, it's more the people on the Democratic side who are going to probably stay home and mail in their ballots. So it, it actually affects it in a very direct way as to who actually mails in ballots, who actually shows up at the polls and how these parties deal with the mail in ballot situation, because it looks like more of it will be on the Democratic side. Mm. Um, Yellow Payne, Ohio is a very important state in terms of the, the, pre the presidential race, the presidential election. But in, in terms of, have you registered to vote? Yeah, of course. That would I'm be just great. asking. I'm just asking. Listen, we've had people do ad campaigns for Listen, different things. I and to vote. I, I'm a big. I, I had to. Ask, I had to ask you that. You know. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, yeah. I definitely. I'm registered. I don't big friends, family, everybody. Like, please get registered to vote. You know what I mean? So yeah, I'm on. And then how much, how, how are people talking about how to do it in, in Ohio and in Dayton there where you are? Um, it's not really uh, a lot of talk about it right now um, because the primaries, you know, nothing was shut down. You know, everybody was able to just go straight to it. Um, now we, we got like two months into, you know, the election. So, but I, I really think people need to start formulating that plan, figuring out exactly how we want to do it, if we're going to mail it in or go out. But I will say this, we all marched and protested thousands deep in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic. So I don't think we need to be too afraid of, of making, of, you know, some real change. Okay, we're going to take a short break. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be right back. Yeah, yeah, what up, what up, what up? This is Styles Peter Ghost, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people, only on Hot 97. Yeah, Ghost told you so. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're talking about voting and social media. Joining us for this conversation, Michael Oliva. He's a political consultant and president of Sykes Global Communications. Michael, great to have you with us. Thank you. Also with us is Yellow Payne. He's a hip hop artist from Dayton, Ohio. He did that viral video, My Vote Don't Count. Um, Yellow Payne, great to have you with us. Thank you, I appreciate it. Thank you. Also with us is Basil Smichael. He's a political strategist and lecturer at Columbia University. Basil, great to have you with us. Thank you. 
Basil, in, in terms of the, the complicated nature of voting, because there's the deadline that you have to reg- you have to be registered by that deadline in order to actually vote, then the whole mail-in thing, then do they mail a ballot to you and then you mail it back? What do you think about the, the information that's just going out in general? Well, it's tough because not every state does mail-in voting well. And in New York, we actually don't have a mail-in voting process. We have an absentee ballot process, which has just been expanded for this election. So yes, it is a little tricky. You have to ask for your absentee ballot. It has to be mailed back to you. And then you have to actually then mail it back. It's a, it's, it's a different process and an easier process than we had before, but it still requires multiple steps that we have to pay a lot of attention to. I'm going to say, you know, I had, I requested an absentee ballot for the June primaries here in New York, and I still haven't gotten my ballot in the mail uh, from June. And so I had to, no. So that's what I talk about when I talk about making a plan. I had to say, if I don't get this ballot by a certain time, I'm going to have to make sure that I go in and cast my ballot in person. There are a lot of opportunities and ways that this can get messed up, which is why I always say, make sure you have a plan to vote. That's what, that's what all three of you have been saying. Michael, in terms of the, the, the whole mail-in ballot, and for some states, some states have done it. I guess the more rural states have done this more regularly or more often. And, and just how they're ramping up for it. How confident are you that it's going to be done smoothly? Well, I mean, even if, even if you look at New York City this past primary in June, there, there was a, a significant amount of chaos. There were several lawsuits. Um, Democrats against Democrats. Some people argued that the ballot needed to be signed. Some people argued that it didn't. Uh, if you remember back to the, uh, the Bush-Gore election, that was just a few votes in one state that were under scrutiny. And it took a few months and it had to go to the U.S. Supreme Court for the decision to finally be made. We can have a potential situation here where there are upwards of 20, you know, 25 states who are, you know, who are arguing over ballot processes and which ballots count and which don't. And, and, you know, both parties have very good lawyers and they're going to work very hard to try to secure those elections. And you could see this potentially, we could not know who the next president is in January. Wow, that's incredible. Yellow, yellow paint, in terms of the issues that you, the, the people that were marching, you know, all the hundreds of thousands of people marching for Black Lives Matter and uh, against police brutality and the abuses and, and for George Floyd, the, that energy, those, those issues, what do you see are the top issues that would motivate people to go, you know, who were protesting, who were marching to actually go through this voter registration and casting a ballot process? Yeah, um, I definitely think, uh, like, obviously, the judges, um, you know, we have judges that, um, that are uh, not convicting police officers for different reasons. And I know it's laws and, you know, stuff in the Constitution that, you know, that makes that a difficult process anyway. Um, But even outside of that, I definitely think people, you know, will want to know that they can that they have the option to elect new judges um, to change those people out. And then there's a part, part of the song where I say, imagine life on the other side, roads better, schools better, everybody get their license back, grocery store food better, custody of your kids back, homeless people get new shelters. You know what I mean? So 
I named a lot of different things and those are everyday issues that we deal with. And I think if people knew that those everyday issues can be changed by voting, then um, a lot more people will show up. Basil, one of the things I hear about from people, because, you know, we've done a lot of like hip hop votes. We've done a lot of different nonpartisan voter registration, uh, volunteer efforts over the years. One of the things they say is I don't want to vote for those local elections that Yellow Pain was just talking about because they don't really know the people. And yet in New York State, you, you look at the ballot. There's times when I go into the polling place. It's the same name for like two or three different parties. There's no one yeah. running against that other person. But I'm like, who is this person? Do I really even know who they are. What, what role do you think that this lack of information plays? Well, I, I think it's huge. And I'll give you, I'll add another point. We, it's something called the incumbency rate, which means that legislators generally get elected like 95% of the time reelected. So it's hard to unseat people who are already in office. And that becomes a problem when you're young, you're voting for the first time, or you know, you've only had a few elections under your belt, and you don't see people that look like you or that are your same generation running for office. So how can you get energized if you see people who are like 60 years older than you running over and over and over again? And I get that. I understand that. And that's actually, uh, that's on us. That's on people who are in the party, who lead the party or, or others that set the rules for how folks get elected to make the process easier, more accessible and more democratic so that you can have young people that are active and engaged that they can run for office to be competitive. I'll just say very quickly, in New York City, at least, that's a bit easier than other places because we have this very generous campaign finance program. But in other cities and other states, you know, the amount of money that it takes to run for office, a lot of the hurdles you have to jump over, it makes it difficult for newcomers to do it. So we've got to make the process easier for young people that are more reflective of the population that they're trying to serve. Michael, what, what about the incumbent advantage that Basil's talking about? Because in New York, we see that, you know, the city council, they have term limits, there's a turnover, you don't have people that have been a city council member for the same district for, you know, 20 years. We, but we see members of Congress that have been in there, it's almost like once they get in, they never want to come out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one of the problems is in so many of these states and municipalities, these elections are determined in primaries because the district are uh, primarily Democratic, primarily Dem uh, Republican. And what you see is, you know, the person who's in office has a tremendous amount of discretionary funding. The 10 or 15% of people who put them in office are people who know how to work the government, and that's why they vote. So these people tend to have an easy ride. And a part of me wishes that some of this education around voting is more around, like, people finding the resources and the information to know who these candidates are and why it's important. And to me, that's almost more important than the voting part. The voting part, I think we get, but it's the part about how do you figure out who to vote for? Because that's what's so important. But, that's the, whole, but that's the whole point. Yeah. Like you can, you can look up an artist, an artist, for example, or a, celeb a celebrity. And I understand that, you know, political candidates, especially at the local level, are not at that celebrity level. But you can find out whether it's LinkedIn, whether it's Facebook, whether it's Twitter, whether it's Instagram, you can see, you know, can see what have they done? Were they giving food out to people during the, you know, the pandemic shutdown? Were they doing, are they helping to, to build it, you know, refurbish the park in their community? But it's very hard to find that out. And then Yellow Pain brought up the issue of the judges who are very critical because a lot of those judges that start at the local level, they're the ones that end up being in the pool for federal judges and, and, and on and up. But how do we find out who those people really are? 
I, yeah, I mean, people have no idea what judges do. I mean, there you have elections for civil unless courts. You're, unless you're standing before one. Right in, New York, <laughs> right, in New York City. And people don't realize that when you elect a civil court judge, they can go to criminal court and do arraignments. They may have no experience in criminal law. They can go to family court. They're not educated around not only who they're voting for, but what that person will ultimately do. And I'm going to say something a little unpopular, but some of this is on us, I don't mean as parties, but as voters, right? We really have to work hard and try to find this information. It may not be completely accessible, but if you work hard enough, you can. And I think that we need to, like, you know, as people tell each other that it's on us. We can't wait for people to give us the access. We have to take the access. And I think that's an important part of what we need to do to actually be educated on the issues and who to vote for. Yellow Pan, I'm going to give you the last word on this. In terms of, do you do you foresee a time when people are going to be as interested in looking at who's running for the local, you know, local judge positions, the seats, or Congress, or city council, or you know, the state offices, as they are in seeing like, oh man, they just dropped a new song, or they dropped a new video, or you know, you know, look at that car in that video. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely foresee it. I definitely foresee it. I think um, right now um, we have to, we just have to popularize the importance of voting so much more than, um, well, popularize the importance of voting so much more than the actual just vote. You know what I mean? And I think once people fully understand how important it is, we can make election day like a holiday like make it like christmas you know like like if we make it that important and we get the communities to really just care you know what i mean i think it can it can be like the new christmas so kind of like get dressed like get dressed up to go out to the club <laughs> everybody pulls up in front of the polling place <laughs> outfit get the outfit get the cars out there the whole thing so what what's a, what's ahead for you now um, yeah, you know what I'm saying? I'm just pushing this. I'm gonna put out a project pretty soon and you know, I'm, I'm just going hard. You know I mean? And you got the new song with Seven Street around the same, uh, same voting subject. It's out right now. It's out right now. YouTube, Spotify, everywhere. Make sure y'all tune in. Okay, we're gonna take a short break. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be right back. Yeah, 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 yeah. Salute. This is General Steele from Smith & Wesson. And right now you're listening to Street Soldiers with your girl, Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people. Only on Hot 97. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. So we've been talking about voting, but how do you really do it, especially here in New York? Let's find out what our guests have to say. Joining me is Michael Oliva. He's a political consultant and president of Sykes Global Communications. Also joining us is Basil Smichael. He's a political strategist and lecturer at Columbia University. Basil, people in New York, we, we saw like digital voting, like, oh, you can vote online, but you can't really vote online. You can go online, but then you still have to have the piece of paper and the, and the envelope and the stamp, which doesn't sound like a big deal, but it's just another one of those like hurdles that people have to overcome. How do you feel about the way we are voting in New York, and especially the way we will vote going into November? Well, sadly, it's the best we can do with what we have. And, and that's unfortunate because this isn't just about concerns over the president and voter intimidation. Just our Board of Elections, they're wonderful people. They do really outstanding, extraordinary work. But across the country, these, uh, our system, our infrastructure to vote is just not well-funded and really hasn't been able to meet the, the needs of this moment. So 
you know, it's, it's important that we think about the fact that in our absentee ballot program, which has been expanded, there are a lot of steps that you have to take to vote. You have to request the ballot. The ballot has to be mailed back to you. And then you have to then mail the ballot in to have your vote received and counted. It's a lot of steps and there are things that can go wrong in those steps. So it's important to stay vigilant and have a plan. Michael, uh, people are asking us, you know, especially because of all the social media, like vote, uh, register to vote, get registered, all of these messages. But yet, you, you know, you click on a link, it goes to your state, you get the information. I've looked at some of these things. They still seem very complicated. And then people are asking us, will I be able to go to my regular polling place this year in New York? And they just don't know. I mean, what do you think about that? Well, I mean, I, I really feel like we we need to look to the future. I mean, we have a situation that is what it is right now. I hope there's a tremendous amount of education on the process. It does seem like the people who had the wherewithal to, to go out and vote figured it out in our primary. Um, but we, we want it to be much higher. And typically, the, you know, the turnout increases from a primary to a general election. Will it increase this time? Will you have the same pool of voters voting in the general? And I, I, you know, I've been saying this for years, I'd love to see online voting because yes, you know, there are security issues, but there are security issues around all of this stuff. And if we could, if we could work to sort of make it secure and bring ourselves into the 21st century, I think it would give people much better access. Now, not everybody has a computer, I understand that, but then maybe, you know, you can go to a place that, that does or, you know, so I feel like we need to not only think about what's happening now, but what's going to happen down the road because we, we, we can't have another instance like this, and this may not be the last pandemic, and who knows what other sort of disaster could happen that we have to overcome as a society. So I, I'd love to see us move a little more into the technological age mm-hmm. as well. No, absolutely. Basil, what about that? Because, I mean, because of the pandemic, every, every aspect of how we do things has changed, and in some ways those changes have actually been improvements over how we did things before. But how outdated is the voting system, you know, our voting system? Because, you know, like Michael said, a lot of people are saying the same thing. It's like, we need, an, we need a reboot, we need an update, we need an upgrade like fast. We do, and unfortunately, it's times like this when we're forced into doing something different that we actually do. You know, New York just fairly recently did early voting, as liberal a state as we are. We didn't have early voting for, you know, we didn't have early voting. We only just recently got that where so many other states, blue and red states, have had it. Um, We don't have automatic uh, registration. We don't have, you know, in in other states, if you are uh, registered, even just New Jersey, just across the river, as long as you're registered to vote, you will get a ballot in the mail. We don't even do that here. And so there, again, because states are allowed to do things differently, you have this very disjointed election process from state to state. Um, we need to learn from each other's best practices. We need to invest funding, uh, monies into strengthening the, what the Board of Elections does, strengthening uh, and getting better equipment, more updated equipment. We don't, even have the, we don't even have the equipment to count the number of ballots by mail that are probably going to come in this election, which is why, um, as Michael has said, it's going to take longer for us to figure out who is going to be president of the United States. We won't have that typical election night sort of reveal, if you will. Right, we're um, watching the and, numbers and everybody. Yeah, we just, we're not going to have that. And so, you know, it, it, it's going to take state by state, huge investments and a lot of vision 
as Michael talked about, uh, thinking about the future. How do we make this better and more accessible for folks? Michael, in, ter- in terms of the improvements that could come, some people say there should be early, re- uh, there should be automatic registration. As soon as you turn 18, you know, you're automatically registered to vote. How do you feel about that? And do you have any other suggestions or, th- or improvements that we could maybe look to towards the future? I mean, I do really like the automatic registration idea. They do do it in other countries, um, just as in other countries, you know, you, you have to serve in the military or the type of service, no matter what, you know, you, you're registered to vote. You know, studies show that there's not a ton of correlation between registering people and them actually turning out. But I feel like if it was something that you, that you, you know, almost like the drinking age, something that you knew, well, I'm an age now and I get to do this, it would right. almost change the collective psychology of people where they would say like, oh, now it's my duty to do this, you know? So I love the idea of um, just automatic registration. I think it's like, I don't know why we don't do this yet. It, 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 it makes no sense to me that there's, there's an unnecessary impediment to doing something which is intended to improve the democracy we live in. Basil, what do you think about the automatic registration? No, I think those are all, they're all great ideas. The automatic registration is a great idea. Finding a way to get us to some kind of online voting process, I think is great. Yes, you have to overcome some challenges and concerns about security, but you know what? I remember 20 years ago, I went to Vietnam on a trip and I went to the ATM and got my money out of an ATM in Vietnam. Right. <laughs> and I got the equivalent in Vietnamese currency of what I was asking for in a US currency. And I was fine. Like, I felt fine doing it. I was comfortable doing it. And if I can do that, you know, in, in, a, in another country, uh, you know, I can certainly uh, feel that my United States of America could figure out a way to have a secure <laughs> and safe online voting. Um, you know, and whether it's at home, whether you go to a site and do it, like, we, we, can, we can do this. We can figure it out. All, all the time that it takes for us to get to this point are people being disenfranchised more and more. And that's what's concerning, that if you don't have a good history of voting, you're not gonna have a good history of voting as you get older. And that's the challenge that we have to overcome. Get people accustomed to doing it and doing it often. And that way you create these very civically engaged citizens. That's what we should be aiming for. And that's the goal. On that note, I want to thank both of you for being with us uh, for this episode of Street Soldiers. Uh, Yellow Pain, great to have you with us. Thank you so much. Continued success. Michael Oliva, thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate it. And Basil Smichael, thank you so much for being with us uh, for this episode of Street Soldiers. And thank you for joining us for Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Remember, use your mind. It's your best weapon. I hope it's your only weapon. Let's push for peace, love, and justice for all.